0: And the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry.
1: Good evening. I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. Tonight, a podcast-exclusive Night Drift, recorded a few days ago in front of a live UFAMet Patreon audience. I'm joined once again by writer and paranormal investigator Darcy Staniforth in a conversation with witch Katie Webb. We talk about dreams, ghosts, and cemeteries. That's tonight on Night Drift. This Thursday, we release a new UFAMet. You can hear it on this very podcast feed. I'm Jim Perry, and we'll be right back after this.
0: relationship to it. This is Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM KKNW, Seattle
1: We are back here on Night Drift You are listening now on 1150 AM KKNW. We're not taking calls tonight as this program was recorded a few days ago in front of a live Ufomet Patreon audience and listen I also need to tell you that Euphemet Season 5 continues with a new episode on Thursday, March 17th you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. You can hear this program on that very same feed. And real quick, I'd like to thank our sponsors, AMC Networks, Shutter and Better Help. And of course, thanks to all of you who are listening right now, whether the live radio broadcast or later on the UVMet Met podcast feed. So to- tonight, uh, two fascinating thought leaders in the exploration of the strange. She's a writer, lectures in the field of American studies, and is a paranormal investigator. Darcy Stanforth joins us once again. Darcy, thank you, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me, Jim. I'm always happy to be here.
1: Yeah, and she is a divinatrix, witch, and investigator. Katie Webb, Katie, welcome.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun catching up tonight. Yes. So, uh, so um, our panel tonight uh, with the you from That Patreon community will essentially kind of be a loose conversation about. Magic, uh, divination, our push and pull relationship with uh, reality, and maybe the space we find in between it all. Ooh. So, uh, Darcy, let's let's start with you because uh, I th- I think what might be a good bridge into opening up this conversation is to talk a little bit about your new opportunity that you have. <laughs> I understand you have a new venture.
2: Yes. And
1: uh can you tell us a little bit about your new role in this very spooky place?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, um I am working f- uh as a tour docent for Haunted OC, Haunted Orange County, and in partnership with the Heritage Museum of Orange County, and I am the tour docent for the Kellogg House. Kellogg of the Kellogg family of gardening not of cereal um (laughs) and so i get to the great thing about haunted ocean and part of the reason i really wanted to work with them is because yes they tell ghost stories but they do it with a true historical perspective looking at like the real history of things which so it brings together like history brain and paranormal brain for me which makes me really really happy um and so I'm so I'm so excited. Uh, we just started up the the tours had been happening and then COVID took them away, and they needed a new tour docent to for a Kellogg House. So that is what I, uh, I they were like, would you like to do the Kellogg House? I'm like, yes. Uh, <laughs> and a big part of that is because of the various tours that Haunted OC does. Only a few have inside locations, and so the fact that this house has report after report after report of activity um and it's a beautiful victorian house built in 1898 uh by hiram clay kellogg for his second wife helen Mm. they have a very storied history (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh helen uh hiram's first wife victoria passed away three weeks after giving birth to their daughter um who was also named Victoria Sybil, but went by Sybil. Mm. And so Hiram was flying solo, uh, for many years. And then he started getting these letters from a Helen Kellogg who happened to be his distant cousin who thought she was writing to her father. And for a few months, Yeah. yeah, as one does. So Hiram thought he's just getting like, Hiram was like, Oh, I, I'll just start reading these letters. And he doesn't let her know for quite some time that, uh, (laughs) <laughs> that it's not her father. And so finally he reaches out and is like, Hey, I just want to like, no, you haven't actually been writing to your father. My name's Hiram. I'm actually like a distant cousin and I'm a single father. Would you be interested in moving to California? If you take the train from where you're living in the Midwest to Portland, I'll meet you in Portland. I'll marry you on the spot we can have a family. You will have a beautiful home. Like just wow. like basically like she's going to hit the jackpot. Yeah, And he's like one caveat, no redheads. That's like his big caveat, no redheads. So she, <laughs> Helen's what? like, Helen's like, okay, no problem. Great. Get packs up, waves by to her family out there, takes the train out to Portland. He meets her, marries her on the spot. They uh, go to a local cafe to celebrate the wedding and she takes off her bonnet and flaming red hair falls
3: out. <laughs> good for her. That's, that's how <laughs> yeah. they start, right? That's, that's how they good start. For her.
2: Um, But uh, and Helen and this ended up being the house that he built for her. And after Hiram passed, Helen stayed in the house uh, the rest of her life, had another husband. She ended up actually passing away in the house. Um, and so the executive director and a lot of the other museum staff are like, Helen is still here. And so when we come wow. into the house and we leave the house, we always greet Helen. Um, Helen was a little bit more of a stern woman hmm. um and so as I was
1: is that a spaceship?
3: that's it's they're the fine sirens. Like to I... take like really thought my headphones would help this out, but it doesn't matter. Let's <laughs> we'll take a pause. <laughs> I live in between a fire station and a hospital. It's just like, oh, yeah. Constantly. There's the not time. a moment where this isn't happening. <laughs>
1: and that, that was that was me in Seattle. Yeah, no worries. So uh, it was actually very dramatic in terms yes. of when you were oh, like timing I that. I, I thought like someone was maybe. I was like John McEdward, are you scoring the story now? Like what is
2: John's like send me that sound please because it did it did sound like something was landing and then we were all gonna be taken away. Which. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. Not so yeah. bad.
1: Hey, listen, that probably gets downloads.
2: <laughs> Please. Oh my God! Did you hear the at Patreon hang? They got pulled out. They're just that, gone. Every single one of them. Gone.
1: Different locations go across the world.
2: <laughs> viral. Amazing. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: So, so where so, we are at in the story is is you. This place is is still being graced. By the red hair woman. Yeah,
2: we, we think that Helen is still there. Um, but we also think because so where the house originally was, was in nearby. Like the house is now in Santa Ana, but it was in a different location in Santa Ana originally. Mm, sounds and familiar. So the uh, the house uh, was um the land that it's on now used to be swampland, And so like they when they moved it, they had to get rid of the basement, things like that. So sometimes. They think it's Helen showing up. Sometimes they think it's indigenous spirit showing up. We have some photos with things. Um, The museum hosts a lot of weddings. And Mm -hmm. so there are... brides and grooms and i'm like please convince one to give one to us so they have not done it but people getting married have taken pictures in front of the house because it's this gorgeous house and in the second story window there's like a little girl that appears in their wedding photos but like a lot of them have gotten really freaked out that they don't want to like they don't want to um like share those out Mm -hmm. yeah um there have been uh reports of uh shadow figures in parts Mm. of the house so there's all kinds of different things plus on top of it because even though the victorian is fully restored and beautiful about 90 percent of the items inside are donated so Mm. who knows what else they've brought in right Right. and even the night we were doing our our final walkthrough before we like like went like yep we're good to go um, myself, Ernie, who's one of the owners of Haunted OC and Jamie, who's the executive director, um, we were there and Jamie brought her 18 month old bloodhound, Orville Sue, who's the sweetest boy. Orville is just a love. Like I it's love him so name. much. If anyone's seen on my Instagram, me posed with this beautiful regal looking dog in a bow tie, that's Orville Sue. <laughs> and, um, so Orville, a lot of times, will go in the house. He does not like to go in the kitchen. And there's some stories around why Orville may not like to go in the kitchen, but it was also reported that Helen just didn't like dogs. Hmm. So he normally just won't go in the kitchen. So we're doing this walkthrough. We go upstairs. We're finishing that half of the tour. And Orville just starts flipping out, like, in the hallway. Like, he doesn't want to go in certain rooms. He's getting, like, whiny and skittish, like... He was just not having the house that night. And Jamie's like, he has never reacted this way upstairs. I don't know what's happening. Hmm. So that happened. And then as we were finishing up and we knew there were staff on the grounds, but they weren't at all in our building or near our building. And so as we were finishing up this walkthrough, all of a sudden the door sensor, like somebody walked in the door, went off. Hmm. It's all beep, beep. Like somebody came in and we're like, hello, <laughs> nobody had come in and then a little while ago, like beep, beep and went out. Wow. And then it happened like a couple other times. So just things are starting to be interesting. Now, the other part of this for me personally, that I am interested to see how this goes is um, Helen did not like had a very horrific relationship with Hiram's first daughter Sybil because uh Helen knew that Victoria was the true love of Hiram's life Mm. and Sybil looked a ton like her mother like so much so it just constantly reminded Helen to the point where like Helen was was violent with uh Sybil like I don't want to give away all the ghost stories from the tour, but like she was violent with her well when I the first time I went into the house, and we went upstairs and we were kind of doing this initial walkthrough. I look over and like here is this picture of Victoria and picture of Sybil. And they have they have more olive skin, which I don't have olive skin. However, very strong eyebrows and darker wavy hair, which my hair right now is straightened, but I have naturally wavy hair. Like it looks like we could be related. And so I'm like, hmm. I wonder how this is gonna go. Yeah. (laughs) While we're here.
1: Um, fascinating is that
2: it's so it's really like, I'm really like, "Mm." (laughs) Hmm. So I, you know, and when I'm doing these tours, I'm in full replica Victorian morning. Like I have a full dress. I have a A Victorian morning brooch, which by Victorian morning dress nerd standards would not be completely full morning because they wouldn't be wearing jewelry at that point. But I use it as an informational piece, like to explain to people how Victorian morning customs went and things like that. Um, So I don't know. It's gonna. It's. I'm. It's gonna be really interesting. Uh, You know, uh, Katie and I were both at Phenomena Con a couple weeks ago uh, with. Uh, the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult. Mm-hmm. And Dana was talking about some different things that she wants, you know, she thinks about as far <laughs> as, <laughs> as practice around investigation and mm-hmm. uh, around using a pendulum to look for different areas. So like, went got myself a pendulum. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to start doing some like smaller stuff in the house, but having this access at these different times and at night and in the day, like I'm, it's, it's really interesting, but it's a great way because like the museum in itself is doing really great things. Like we start each tour with a land acknowledgement because the museum is on Tongva land and their um, swamp, the swamp area that is still pristine on that land. They're actually working with the Tongva people to um, l- let them use that space for closed spiritual practice, which I think is really incredible. Yeah. Um, And I just love that museums are like thinking about this. And uh, even though the family has a lot of drama, it's not problematic issues. So we're not getting into these worries about like dark tourism in, you know, things around enslavement or people being terrible or like murders or anything like that. So I'm just really, I'm really, really excited. So we had our first tour this past last Friday. I have another one this Saturday. We have another one in March. Um, I know some museum members are coming this Saturday, so I'm really excited about that. Um, And so and then we're just starting to book out. So that's that's like one of the new exciting things I'm getting to do. And I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm so stoked (laughs) to get to learn more and more history and that more and more ghost stories keep coming.
1: Well, yeah, and you're going to find yourself, you know, at the first of this conversation that was, was not included in this broadcast, but but off-air, we were talking about time, and we were talking about how slippery it it can become, and mm-hmm. our relationship to it is so suggestive, right? So, you looking like these family members, potentially, being in period where... Um, telling, sharing the history, the, the emotional history of what this place is talk about losing yourself in time a little bit, right? Uh (laughs)
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it's like, it is such a, I mean, it is a beautifully preserved house, like beautifully preserved and restored. And so it's, it's not like, even though they're a museum, there's so many aspects about it that don't feel like a museum and like the more and more I engaged with this space I just become more and more at home with it yeah and so I'm just like this is it's a it's a very um interesting thing you bring up a really good point about the emotional history right because I think a lot of people don't think about those um, aspects of when we're retelling these stories, when we're sharing these kinds of things um, about it. And one of the things that like I pay attention to, because there's a a particular picture in the house, a portrait of Hiram and Helen that we think might actually be a composite Hmm. because of the way that they're each looking in very different directions. But like Helen in the picture looks like she is in full Victorian mourning like a fancier version of it so even in that like keeping those kinds of pictures of like here is the snapshot in time right here is portraits of you but here is like a snapshot of you in time when you are in mourning you are in like the dark like one of the darkest places right and then family trees and honoring other people and even the fact that like we honor Victoria and Sybil in this house who have both like Victoria passed, like I said, only three weeks after childbirth and and Sybil has since passed, but like they never even lived in this house. Hmm. Like Sybil lived, I'm sorry, Sybil lived in the house, but Victoria never lived in the house. Sybil lived in the house. Victoria didn't. So like, again, that emotional history and the trauma and the almost like the sneak, like the sneakiness of Hiram's letters, but also like, the sneakiness of Helen being like, oh, I'm not a red, oh surprise, you know. And so these kinds of interesting, just these these different interesting things that are starting to show up. So yeah. I am starting to document on my end, like, this happened on this time, this happened on this time, <laughs> oh, and good. really pay attention because there is another farmhouse on the property as well. That's a, it's a 5,600 square foot farmhouse called the MAG farmhouse that uh, has also had paranormal activity. Um, But even though it has paranormal activity, there's not terrible family drama. The family actually says like, oh, you know what? Like we've actually had great times. It's always been very happy, but yet there's still activity going. But again, it's another house that has been moved from its original location. To a new location. Um, That's and... same
1: with the Waterhouse Museum that I just visited in yeah. Orlando. Yeah. It was like, hey, there are happy ghosts here. There are definitely ghosts here. This is what the tour guides and, and even the historical society believe. But they're like, they're all happy. Because, like, this wasn't a yep. messed up, like, there wasn't this discourse in the family. And and every this was a happy zone. And so th- this is at least the, the, the story that's being told now. And it looks like evidence supports that. And how refreshing is it that we can navigate through some of these spaces and, and not all be, like, sort of jails and, you know, <laughs> these areas oh. where, where people are trying to find uh, negativity and, and something to
2: engage in with that level, right?
3: There's a million happy ghosts.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. To find and so yeah. many happy ghosts, and one of so one of my favorite, many. one of my favorite stories from the Mag farmhouse, the other house on the property, is that they had a paranormal team investigating in that house, and that house is like gutted on the inside. Like it, it's their next big restoration project, and so they had. There's no lights inside. There's no anything, but there are a couple pieces of furniture, and there's a piano that actually used to belong to one of the Mag daughters. Hmm. So this paranormal team had come to investigate and uh, Jamie, the executive director, was in there with them and they were doing like the flashlight experiment, right? Like turn on flash, like asking questions and getting them to turn on flashlights. Well, they're asking all these questions and like nothing is happening. Nothing's going on. And so one of the investigators was like, do I remember you telling me they were German immigrants And Jamie was like, yeah. And he goes, I happen to know how to play a German polka on the piano. Do you (laughs) mind if I do that? And she's like, go ahead. So he goes over and starts playing this German polka and the flashlights start going off like strobe lights. Wow.
1: Wow. Oh, and I love it when music is engaging, right? Yeah. uh, It it crosses all boundaries, seemingly. Mm. So um, we've got to head to a break right now. But, uh, you know, Katie, you, of course, are... An experienced investigator many of us have followed you whether it's you know online or through some of your adventures through various content platforms right um and and all want to get your reaction to activity like this and then mm. ask you some questions about divination but also we got to talk about some happy ghosts because yeah. I, I you know i i think we're getting to this point where we need some happy ghosts in our life mm. <laughs> so they're everywhere and, and we'll hear stories about that right after this on Night Drift, we're talking with two investigators, Darcy Staniforth and Katie Webb, about ghosts and magic. And next, we'll dive deeper into divination and a world beyond our own, right here on Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. We'll be right back after this.
0: Hashtag Night drift. N-I-T-E-D-R-I-F-T and share your thoughts with us on Twitter. Jim Perry, you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Ufamet.
1: Well, I have to, I've got to go back to Portland, Maine at some point in time. I've got unfinished business there. I've got unfinished business. I believe it. I believe it. I had a bean cannery there that I couldn't, I've seen in dreams that I couldn't, and maybe you remember me It closed. It did.
3: But it still, like, exists. Like, nothing has replaced it, but it closed during COVID.
1: Okay can i share with you guys like inside? Yes, please
4: beans, okay. beans, 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 beans. So,
1: K- katie might remember some of this because i was like i would like i was hopelessly enamored both carl pfeiffer and i we 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 spent um a, a whole season recording the show together and we in fact recorded a short film with katie and a, a, a bunch of short films that we have not released yet but we're We will at some point in time and and probably directly for, for you guys on the, on the Patreon feed. But, um, during that time, Carl and I, as, as you do, we got so lost in a sink storm that we felt completely imbalanced by the time we got to Maine. I mean, we Mm. went up the Eastern seaboard by the time we were there, it was maybe like day 12 or something. We were, um, we were a mess and we were just trying to keep it together. Because by that time we had experienced so many different energies, so many different interesting people and phenomenon that it started to really affect us in a deep way. And Mm. we started to be invited into, into, um, phenomenon that we knew nothing about. We had an experience in sleepy hollow that we'll never forget. Uh, I mean, how on the nose is that? But, (laughs) you know, we really did have a, a sink storm in sleepy hollow that we still believe that we were called to um find someone with magical abilities in Sleepy Hollow that was trying to get our attention, like a clarion call, like um like a siren of sorts uh and uh and we still don't know what that means. It was just a general feeling and a read from the synchronicities that we were having. So by the time we got to Main, things started shit shit started getting really weird because uh we were on the highway going south to, towards our airbnb cutting through portland maine when you're going south on the right maybe it's north i don't know on the right side of it it's north we're going north right side of it eastern sea, seaboard there in the in the bay i don't know in the, in the bay there in portland yeah there's a beanery there's yes. a beanery there, and yep. they roast like they do. They bake beans.
3: B and M baked beans, baby.
1: B and M baked beans. B-M. And I had a I had a moment when we were like driving by, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I've seen that place before." And I was like, "Where do where do, where do I know that from? Where do I see it?" And I'm looking at them, I'm scanning the side of the building. I'm looking at the parking lot. I'm seeing where it's sitting on the bay. And I remember a dream that I had months before, that I was there in that exact parking lot, scanning the side of the building with a friend, trying to figure out a way to get into the building. And we finally had found a door on the second floor with a, um, you know, sort of an outdoor stairwell, steel stairwell that we were able to get up into it. And someone was trying to um, someone was trying to leave that space, essentially, and we were helping them do that. I don't remember who I was with. I don't remember in particular who the person was th- that wanted out, but I remembered the space exactly. And I've never seen pictures of b and <laughs> yeah. I-, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know <laughs> this place that I was in, in Portland, Maine, but but it was it was exactly as I had dreamed. And so we got back to our Airbnb. I call up my friend Tim, that you guys know. I call up Tim and I'm like, "Listen, shaman, <laughs> can you help me like sort through this stuff?" And of course, he gives me a very shamanistic answer. I have this, I have this on audio. I recorded it, but he was no help. Like, gen, like general, he won't give me answers. He'll speak in riddles, you know. So. I begrudgingly leave the conversation with him, and I say, Carl, let's like get in the rental car. Let's go out there. Like, grab your grab your shit, man. Let's like go out there and see. So we do, we head out there. And one afternoon, we, you know, there's no security gates for the front parking lot, but there's kind of security gates all around it. And I was like, I'm just gonna get out. I'm gonna like walk, I'm, I'm gonna walk my dream. And so I get out, Carl stays in the car, Cause he's a real chicken shit. <laughs> Carl stays in the car because he thinks that like people are going to like assault us for like walking onto this production facility. The
2: bean police. Yeah. The bean police. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I'm out there alone and I'm like walking through the space. <clears throat> and God damn it. It was like, just like my dream. And I still like, can't rectify that feeling that I had there. It was like, what the fuck? And I'm scanning the side of the building. I'm not seeing the staircase that was in my dream. But I look up and there's a door on the side of the building <laughs> on the second floor where there used to be a staircase and now there's not one. What? <laughs> and so this was like the morning before we are going to go and interview and hang out with Katie Webb. <laughs> <laughs> And so we pushed all of that aside, but it was fueling my uh, intense curiosity about things like um, Katie's work in other realms, you know, and, and, and her ability to experience these different realities uh, in, in, in various ways. And if you remember the UFOMat feature that Katie and I did together, it was episode 30, I believe, called Realms. If you look and find that, you know, Katie tells some incredible stories about even at one point in time, finding herself trapped in, in, in one of these realms for a very long time. And to me, it was tripping me out because here <laughs> I was in some form or fashion feeling as if I was trapped back at that bean place in some version of myself, not knowing why I was getting these messages the way. I was. And so we sat there around a campfire in the back of, like, I think it was, like, Ty's house or, like, the, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, after after the, the, the interview proceeded and um, we were eating chips, Katie was having a smoke. And I, like, was, like, what do you make of this? <laughs> what, like, what is this? And she was kind of, like, holy shit. <laughs> This is a lot. Like, that's crazy. She's like, I definitely believe like everything that you're saying. And there's something to it. And it seems like the start of something, not the end of anything. It seems like the start of something. And maybe you won't know when that next chapter arrives. And to say, is it tied in with all the other synchronicities you're having in this trip? I mean, we talked about like, we were sharing our synchronicity with the Fleetwood Mac song and, like, you know, all these different things that happened. Like, you know, it seems like 50 different synchronicities that occurred during this trip with Carl and I. I started to believe that maybe Carl was just the answer to this. And, like, <laughs> he's why all the hell your shit actually started popping off at some point in time. Because he's just, like, some Carl. sort of synchronicity, you Wait. know, super storm. You Are know? you
2: saying that Carl is Terry Wrist? The- yeah, <laughs> car- Carl. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm Carl's just... tear Terry wrist.
2: <laughs> That's okay. Okay. You That's heard it here first, here
1: but <laughs> you heard it here tonight. But anyway, tin cans and beans. Tin cans and beans. Yeah, there is that. There is that connection. There is
3: that connection. Anyway,
1: I want to thank you for listening to me at that point in time, which I felt very fragile and that I was like very on very thin ice with my grasp on my own reality. And I want to thank you for being there for me and, and for Carl by extension. I even mean, though he's a little bit more of a cool cucumber than me. Um, <laughs> I was tripping out and um, yeah. So I appreciate that. Katie, thank you so much for being there for me for that.
3: I remember when we were all on the beach and I was telling the story about the Telluric realm and Carl, I don't remember what I was saying. It happened two separate times, but Carl reacted as if I had said something that was some sort of synchronicity for you guys like he kept being like oh my god oh my god and i never found out what any of that was and i could never even tell you what i was talking about in that moment but i just like remember being like these guys are in it (laughs) yeah
1: yeah and listen yeah uh (laughs) And listen, we really were. And for those of you listening right now, I mean, it's maybe a experience. Have have any of you had the same sort of experience as to where you get not too far down a rabbit hole, but it's almost as if you're ushered into this other Mm. space, you know, and Mm. one thing leads to another. And sometimes it takes somebody that maybe is around you that has a little bit more grounding, but also an openness and an open heart to help you pull out of some of that and just Uh, continue living in that mystery as a human being and not as you know uh uh, you know sort of a um uh, a victim Mm. of sorts to 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 what the games are you know
3: jim do you remember what you felt like when you were in the bean factory like or even just like like if you closed your eyes right now could you conjure the feeling of what you felt like when you woke up from that dream I felt
1: like I was trying to um like I was trying to save something or or, or um the feeling was um uh, I, I was so n- i'm was asking
3: nervous. because I think this feeling, if you can feel the feeling again and not intellectualize it, mm-hmm. it's okay if you can't describe it because it's mm-hmm. like a feeling and I feel like it's okay, yeah. you can't always intellectualize. But mm-hmm. if you can genuinely feel that feeling again, I feel like that's how you get back into dreams mm-hmm. that you, you've you had. Is you usher yourself into that feeling again, and sometimes that feeling can be scary, so you don't really want to like go back again. Yeah. But I wonder if you could go back again.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating.
3: Mm. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think for me it's possible because I have a lot of reoccurring dreams that'll happen. Mm-hmm. Some of them I don't even know are reoccurring until they're that until I'm in them, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely have been to this space before.
3: Interesting. Um, and, do you ever I recall. do yeah. that on purpose? Um, <laughs> I have. Yeah, I have before.
4: Cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I used to practice some of that stuff when you know there would be uh sort of an expert on that in our bell when I was like a kid, you know. Mm. So I'd be like mm-hmm. thirteen yep. years old or something, like trying to do dream work. Um, so <laughs> yeah. you know nothing. Uh, overtly serious but I love that advice Katie and I think I'm going to definitely take you up on it that in if I can find a state within myself where I feel I'm, I'm ready mm-hmm. to emerge back into that mm-hmm. I am I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to go try to visit that space again
3: yeah I think for me it's all about how, how I felt in the dream in getting me back there, I used to try to remember the places and kind of like visually take myself back into dreams. But the, but like you said, like reoccurring dreams aren't always in the same place. Like sometimes you don't realize you're in a reoccurring dream quite yet because some things do like shift and change. So I think like I usher myself dreams, like reoccurring dreams on purpose through my feeling, I kind of allow my visual scape to change and i don't know maybe you could get an answer or two <laughs> i don't know maybe well, there are none <laughs> yeah right right well
1: it's it's certainly a platform to explore right I love that
3: yeah yeah why not yeah I love that. it's interesting that the bean factory is closed too i wonder if like it's a vibe being closed is different and maybe there's more access to it spiritually because it's kind of liminal now.
4: Mm.
3: Um, Darcy,
1: what would you suggest in terms of things that you've seen in terms of people experimenting with um, realms that they feel familiar in yet maybe mm. don't quite exist? (laughs) Is there like um. I don't know, do you think I should try, may, should I go back to Portland and maybe, I don't know, do some divination or some different methods to try to contact something um, in those regards at the Bean Factory itself? Should I break into the Bean Factory? I'm asking you for <laughs> Yes. Um, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: um I don't I don't want to tell you to do anything illegal, Jim. Um uh because you know I don't want you arrested. Well
1: it's all theoretical. This is theoretical. all theoretical um, We're speculating here.
2: With your mind.
1: Breaking in with my mind is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, with your mind. Um here's the thing. I I would absolutely go back because I ab I, I know that feeling of spaces that you need to be in, like where you feel called or drawn. Right. And it mm. may not even be the factory. It might be the the land it's on. It might be, you know, mm. that factory was there for 150 years. Wow. Right. So there's, there's definitely things that came before that. Um, but yeah, I, I would go back, but I love Katie's suggestion about trying to get back into that space of that of that dreaming because I think it's something that I do uh, especially with like the, the nature spaces or the comfortable spaces that I like to go and be in where I just almost feel this like call, like, Oh, I need to go to this place today. And I might Mm. not even know why I need to go to that place, but there's a reason for it. And it's like, I don't just feel a call to like, this is why you need to go to this place, but this is also what you should be listening to and kind of, thinking about or focusing on when you're doing that um i mean i'm i'm still like processing the fact that the staircase wasn't there but the door was yeah and like that <laughs> as just an analogy for all the kind of work <laughs> that we do anyways like yeah. the staircase isn't here but the door is yes you know yes
1: yes of course um
2: <laughs> right yeah. yeah but i think that like if you were done with it, you wouldn't have, have the call coming. Like you wouldn't mm-hmm. have that feeling of like, I have, like you said, I have unfinished business there. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty intense feeling. Yeah. That's an intense feeling. Like this place is not done with me. Right. And to dream of a structure, like while you are talking about it, I was looking it up. Cause I'm like, okay, is it possible that like this is something we've seen in a television show or movies Mm. or like this is something that looks like maybe nope i've never seen that (laughs) bean factory in my life
1: yeah well it's very weird too because the parking lot and the building itself it sort of like extends right into the bay in a way i've never really Mm. seen before and i remember a part of that dream was i was on the other side of the fence on that rocky shoreline as i was like getting into the like the back of the facility and i was like this is too this is too close i mean this is exactly i was like i was over there i was over there and i was going what else is real in life what what else could be true at this moment um we've (laughs) we've got a lot of good comments over here Uh, heather yeah,
3: one of them made me think like okay so you know when you create wards and things like that around your house there's like this element of visualization that's creating like a physical like barrier and i almost Mm. wonder if there's some sort of like visualization you could do to recreate a staircase what is there someone or something in the bean factory that needs the staircase like back and thinks they can't like exit because the staircase is gone or something like Mm. that right I don't know. This maybe the staircase wasn't meant to be a literal physical one, kinda got my wheels spinning, Heather.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. And then Heather mentions maybe you need to build a metaphysical bridge, mm-hmm. stairs to the door
3: to access mm-hmm. that next level. <sighs> maybe. Could be a next level, could be freedom for someone, something for you, for I don't
1: know. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, Jay also comments. Right, yeah. Katie. Reoccurring dreams are persistent messengers that return to provide us information in continually evolving contexts. <sighs> wow. Well said. And Jay asks ask yourself, what is a staircase? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay, I, un- Jay, um, if it's okay that, that I call you out here, my friend, I understand that, you know, you do a lot of work within dreams and you even are a part of a weekly group. Is, is that correct? And and if so, if, if you have anything on this topic that you'd like to share, I mean, I'll, you oh, know, yeah. we'd love to hear from you, man. That'd be awesome. And of course, like no pressure. Oh, yeah. you, you don't, you know, you don't have to, but I'm just saying the the floor is yours if, if you'd like to um uh, beelzebub says you don't have to see all the stairs just take the first step
3: Ooh, that's deep, mm. yeah, that's, really
5: deep. <laughs> that's deep man <laughs> okay so jay is going to join
1: us here
3: sweet
5: all right um well thank you uh jim and uh it's great to be with you darcy and katie and Hi, uh, jay. hey guys yeah so um yeah, as soon as you know dreams, like if I hear that word, I just come running across the room. Um, you know, and ghosts and everything else, and and beans too. I who doesn't love beans? Um, so yeah, like the the way that um, I've you know been trained and mentored in all of this is kind of in a very personal way. It's the idea of what does it mean to you first and foremost. It's the opposite of what a lot of us were raised on, which were, you know, with dream dictionaries, you know, run and look to the symbol that somebody else has defined for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rather, you know, what does it mean to you in your life? And so, um, you know, when when Katie, you know, was kind of re-entering you back into that dream with that feeling that was, kind of an exciting moment for all of us because you were gifting us with your dream and you were giving us all a taste of it. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, what the staircase means to you, what the doorway means to you, and, and really what that factory means to you is um, ultimately the most important thing.
1: Yeah, well, that's wild, man. <laughs> yeah that's wild thank you for that uh thank you for that comment i'm i mean i'm glad um that i'm able to to share that with you folks uh you know shit i feel like i'm making this whole thing about me but um yeah it's uh it's strange right uh, jay you are a participant in sort of like a weekly um a, a weekly group right where where you do dream work together or you study dream work yeah
5: mm-hmm. so um i uh, lead a group um i'm also um in a um a class that's about to wrap up i'm getting a, a certification through the institute of dream studies and getting a certification as a dream work professional so wow. I've kind of taken it in cool. yeah it's um <laughs> i would never expected that a few years ago is so right? why, yeah. why is that <laughs> um you know, I all of this to be honest is because of um discovering discovering, you know, um the hellier and discovering the museum group and discovering you and and this group. Um because of that, I I got back into dream work. I was into it when I was a, a kid, um, thanks to my mom. And um, you know, she got she had me into it and um i it's the people you meet along the way right and um i was lucky enough to have a mentor that just kind of pushed me back into dream work and um then i realized that it's the way i see it it, it's a kind of the the backdoor way of studying consciousness that all of Mm. us have mm. a way to um uh access you know we don't need to have a um a white lab coat and work at a, <laughs> a work in a university you know all of us can study consciousness you know from um from this other side you know um that is
1: so cool jay yeah. that's that's so damn cool man
2: <laughs> can i ask a dream question then jay <laughs> Ooh, cause I feel like, like I, re- I really, I love the idea of dream work and I, I, I try and sometimes I can be a very, um, like lucid dreamer where I'm like, I'm aware I'm dreaming. And then other times I'm just like, it's so real and so visceral mm-hmm. and people show up in my dreams and I'm the person that like, will, with certain people, call them and be like, so you showed up in my dream last night. I need to know what's <laughs> going on. Like, are you OK? So when you're talking about like to Jim, about like the factoring the and and what it means in the staircase and the door, is that the same with how when people show up in our dreams? Or is it possible that people are actually showing up in our dreams or could it be both?
5: It's both. <laughs> I think it's both, absolutely both and uh, Darcy, um, because I, you know, there's no way I could give you an answer to that. Um, you know, obviously it's who these people mean to you, mm. but I really truly believe that, you know, dreams bring us to this sort of access state, state of consciousness where we have the ability quite possibly to interact with each other in ways that there's no way that we could possibly, um, map it or understand it you know we're mm. still learning about human anatomy right now you know <laughs> yeah, it's true <laughs> all the time so yeah. i i think that we're still very early students of consciousness so when people show up in our dreams and especially people that we've never met i think that we're actually meeting people mm. in my opinion. Oh
3: man. And there's that whole like Dr. Eric Wargo time loops. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Right. What
1: what is this? (laughs) this? I don't, I've never heard of this before
3: where we know everything, everything's already happened. It's stored in the subconscious. We have access to everything. You've already been to the bean factory, maybe in another dimension. That's why you know about it. And that's why you had a dream about it yeah because you uh, yeah
2: this book jim uh eric Time was loops. at he was at the first phenomena con i think mm-hmm. and he has two the second one yep. and he wrote this book and it, it it talks a lot about like um precognitive like people having like the studies they've done on you know Precognitive dreams, and then also like everything that you. Start. It is. It is a fascinating book. It is definitely something you should read, and definitely someone you should have on.
1: Okay. Well, sounds great. Let's make it happen.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Katie,
2: people I, people.
5: Uh, Katie, I've got like I'm looking at that book right now on my bookshelf, so it's kind of tripping me out. So. Uh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. He. Uh, you guys. He complimented my divination style, so you know you
1: know no big deal deal. so
3: you know it's like fine
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh jay listen man um i think like maybe you'd like to come and and be a guest sometime you Mm -hmm. know i think that would be really cool would you be would you be down to do that
5: i I would be honored. Uh, There actually has been a story I've been wanting to share, but I always just feel a little too shy. So um, it takes somebody like you to call me out. So um, yeah, I'd be happy to to chat.
1: Cool, man. I love that. Thank you so much. And I'm glad you're a part of this community, man. I'm glad you found it
5: all. It's an honor. Thank you, you, sir. I love you, dude. Thank you so much for chiming in. All right, thanks.
1: I mean, this has been one of the most brilliant detours of uh, a Night Drift taping ever. So, (laughs) because, I mean... (laughs) Oh my God. Wow, it's been so great. This has been such a great conversation here tonight.
0: Follow Euphamette on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes to receive new episodes of Night Drift Automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. me is ninety three and all this forty five say six 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 don't believe in the cursor is all this forty five say six 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 forty five six 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 you're listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim.
1: All right, we are back here on Night Drift. You know, a few years ago, I traveled out to Maine and spent time with Katie Wex. Her feature can be heard on episode 30, Realms, on the Euphemet feed. And did you know Carl Pfeiffer and I shot a short film around this too? Uh, one day, it, uh, it might just be released, so... We're also always looking for stories. Do you have a paranormal experience, something that has changed your life, uh, put you into a new direction, uh, enhanced your career, changed how you believed something? Whatever it may be, I would love to hear it. And I'm sure a lot of other people would. I think at the core of Euphemet as a podcast, it's about connecting each other with the things that we all don't understand, that is our relationship to the unknown. And listen, we can find a lot in sharing these stories with each other. I think a lot of people listen to that podcast and might just not feel as alone as they did before listening to it. At least that's my hope and that's my goal. You can share it with me at jim at euphemetcom And if I take a while to get back to you, I'm so sorry. I'm running all over the place now. Again, the hum, the, the internal hum is back. And so I will get back to you. Just give me a little bit of time. And if you want more of this program, you can find it on the UFAMet feed, wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, just visit UFAMet.com. And you can definitely follow us all across social media at UFAMet. And I'm back here tonight with Darcy Stanaforth and Katie Webb in front of a live Patreon audience. If you'd like to join these hangouts like this, you know, all you have to do is visit patreon.com slash and join this not-so-secret society of Fordians, witches, experiencers, explorers, and thinkers. These are people that, um, you know, are just trying to figure this stuff out, that are entertained and excited by it, that are deeply exploring it, that that have it a part of every sinew of their body. And not. And that's why we like this community, is because it we're really uh, uh, a group of people that are experiencing such a wide spectrum of activity. And we use this as a platform to just connect with each other and share those experiences with each other. So um, you are welcome to join us over there. Back here with Darcy and Katie. And Katie, you know, we left the last segment talking about this idea of happy ghosts, right? Can you share a little bit about yes. just this concept of the happy ghost and the potentially the happy yeah. haunted house? Can we talk about that?
3: Yeah. I even have a story for it. Oh, that'd be great. Yes. 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 <laughs> so, first of all, I think that when we encounter energy that is outside of us it is natural to be nervous by it no matter how it feels i think all strange energy feels just different so i think it's really easy to just quickly be like doesn't feel doesn't feel good in here <laughs> doesn't feel good in here but we must go further we must explore because mm. this not feeling good is actually like the tingle right it's the spidey Mm. sense Mm. it's not necessarily a bad energy it's just our little radar Mm. being like (laughs) um (laughs) so i have a cemetery by my house um technically a graveyard it's been closed since like 1912 oh, <laughs> it's been wow. closed for a long ass time wow. um yeah it has like a sad history there are lots of soldiers um some priests and stuff like that in there. kind of it's kind of catholic um but the city gave up on it and turned it into a dog park for a little while <laughs> and then they realized that was a really shitty thing to do yeah wow <laughs> yeah so now it's um, now it's a cemetery, but it's like not technically upkept by the city. So like all of the neighbors and we all kind of take care of it. Oh my so wow. it's loved and also forgotten. It's like mm-hmm. loved by its locals, but like forgotten by like the larger Government groups, yeah. um, and it is a window area. I have experienced all of the things in there, all mm. of the things. Um, so one time I was in there. This was back in the haunt me days. So I was with haunt me crew and some of their friends. So we had a big group, and we were experiencing some negative vibes from <laughs> <laughs> this area of trees and. It kind of like charged at us. We ended up like running out of there that night, scared, scared. Wow! So I went back with less of those people, but some of those same people. And I went back and we did a thing where we kind of made like a protective area and we sat in the area and we tried to communicate with what was what we were feeling, even though it felt scary. (laughs) We did it anyway. Um, and I kind of like went in there and had some like trippy experiences and heard some like sassy negative things. And we were basically like really scared of this area by the end. Um, we've probably been there about three times at this point, but it's right down the street. They're my neighborhood ghosts. So determined, determined to talk to these ghosts. (laughs) So I started going in there and I started just like leaving them treats And long story short, (laughs) still kind of long. (laughs) We We are homies now. It's all. Yeah, we're homies, and the the front the like negative vibes was because they were protecting themselves. Mm. They didn't trust us either, so they were like, "We sense negative vibes," and we were like, "We sense negative vibes," right. <laughs> and everybody was scared. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't malicious. It was just everybody was nervous. <laughs>
4: and everyone <Wow>. was
3: scared. <laughs> I mean, why? And of course, yeah. Yes, of course, of. Course course how do they experience us probably in a weird way too
4: right
3: <laughs> wow. yeah and we've been homies for years now it's been like five or six years now <laughs> um but it started off rough because mm. it feels weird we have to like push through those emotions and <sighs> how do we how do we go on yeah i
1: mean yeah all right. Well, I love what you said about having to, you know, sure, sense what those feelings are, mm. but it might be just an opportunity being presented to push further, to mm-hmm. push through that and see what's on the other side. And mm. and more often than not, Katie, do you believe, you know, once pushing forward, you then get maybe the, the correct information on how to proceed, right? Like Yeah, and...
3: For sure. And I, you know what, and even if the ghost energy is like negative, if it truly is like mean or sad, there's like something on our end to be empathetic towards that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's our responsibility to not necessarily meet with the same energy, even if that really is what what you're getting, because we're a community like you're experiencing a ghost there's some energetic vibe within you that vibes with this thing and like I feel like you just gotta try to work it out if you can
1: yeah wow it's <laughs> using yeah it's like kind of using uh just be a normal person
3: and yes think about yeah. like I tried you know, to like not say that but that's exactly what it is yeah
1: yeah think about. And Darcy, it's a little bit like thinking thinking, um, I don't know, like a conflict manager or something, like conflict resolution, right? Like Oof. how if this was a human being, if if I okay, let me try to restate this.
4: Mm-mm.
1: Obviously, the idea is that potentially this is a human being that we're right. interacting with in a different state or a different right. energy that needs to be respected, just as <coughs> just as we do as individuals here in these meat bodies so often people abstract that idea right like Mm -hmm. this is other instead Mm. of if you're walking into somebody's house unannounced yeah they might like be a little alarmed at that right
2: (laughs) yeah well and i think you know we've we've talked many times about no bros hunting and no (laughs) yelling at spirits no antagonizing spirits and i think about the fact katie that this um uh graveyard is catholic right and for in the (laughs) catholic tradition um traditional burial is very sacred right Mm -hmm. and so the idea of coming into this space that is a very sacred space for many of these believers right and the fact that coming in like hey why are you in our space right and and why why are you here and then them you two interacting or you all interacting in a way that it's like, no, I'm I'm here to take care of you. I'm here to respect this space. I'm not here to do something negative or damaging, right? And yeah, it's very much conflict resolution because, like, if we are dealing with something that was a human in a, as you call it, meat body gym at one point, um, and not maybe another kind of elemental or or spirit or anything like that, then. We want to be treated with respect and dignity. They want to be retreat- treated with respect and dignity. And we also have to think about, too, context and maybe what they understand around language and behavior and manners and customs and traditions and all of these things that don't necessarily make sense to them just as much as things don't make sense to us, right? Like something that might seem antiquated to us may be very much... Of, of their time and their place. We have to think about how gender plays into all this. Like there's a lot of things that we need to think about. And so if we are going in, and that's why I have, I have a really hard time because I, I mean, I think everyone on the show loves cemeteries and graveyards and memorial parks and all of those things, but it's also why I treat those spaces which with such reverence. And I try not to like, even though sometimes like, you know, Us being down the freeway from Hollywood forever, which is like one of the most ostentatious cemeteries in a lot of aspects right? where you're just (laughs) like that is a an entire plot where a man is has a full size statue of himself sitting in a chair like dressed in a suit. (laughs) Like it's fantastic. But at the same time, like somebody did that to honor someone. Right. These are spaces of honor and reverence where people can go and remember and to honor. And then for old graveyards, old cemeteries, ones that are no longer actively burying, right? And this is one of like, this is a deaf nerd thing, but cemeteries and mausoleums and um, memorial parks have to think about how long they can actually continue as an active business because land fills up. And so that's oftentimes why they build up and they have to like, you know, expand out their services and sometimes that's why they have a crematorium or they have other services that don't even serve their land but they can serve other um cemeteries or or parks and things like that so if you have a space like what's in your neighborhood katie that has been not active for so many years and then they get kind of comfortable right and then (laughs) the city was like dog park and it's like well they might love dogs like it's not a dog park. It's still like a sacred space, like burying ground is holy ground. Right. And so then to bring it back and then have like, okay, here people come again. What now, what do they want? But it's like, oh no, you're here to care for us. You're not here to disturb us. You're not here to take this over in a way you think is appropriate, even though it's inappropriate. Right. So I think that there's a lot of those negotiations going on. It's like, it's almost like the idea of, you know, in a very loose way of like, don't gentrify our graveyard, like let us wow. have our culture, let us have our traditions, <laughs> let us have our remembrances and let us be. And if you want to come into our space and honor our space, great. And if not, then we're going to give you weird vibes and maybe you pay attention and stand you know
3: <laughs> there is so Read much witchcraft going on in that graveyard I mm-hmm. have watched so many people walk out in cloaks with holding candles and there's this grave that everyone refers to as the witch's grave and it is the biggest pet peeve of my life it drives me freaking wild because it was proven to be an archbishop's grave but people leave crystals and they leave sigils all over it because they think it's a witch's grave in what history do witches have extravagant graves buried amongst soldiers it like literally (laughs) doesn't even make sense it drives me crazy (laughs) (laughs) that archbishop is just rolling in his grave dying
1: not happy not (laughs) happy so mad yeah He, yeah, he must have had it coming or something. I
2: don't know, (laughs) right? (laughs) But that's also like a fascinating thing to me, and I think it ties back to thinking about like correct history, right? (laughs) Like, when you look at these things, like, people have done so much, um, you know, cemetery history and and you Like, we have the technology, people. Like, you can do a quick search and find that out. But I just love people who are like, no, it's a witch's grave. And you're like, it's not a witch's grave. It's an artist's grave.
3: And I am so mad. I don't want this to be my city's folklore. I moved no. here 18 years ago. 18 years ago when somebody told me that. It has been ongoing for so long. Long. My friend, Michelle, who owns the occult bookstore down here, wrote a paper about how it's an archbishop's grave and everything <laughs> like, ah!
1: <laughs> you know, pop culture and stuff like that doesn't help sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it, right. it helps and hinders things. The and Winchester
2: think, Mystery House.
1: But there you go.
2: Oh, yeah. Prime <laughs> example of we'd love to populate the myth.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: absolutely. And for whatever reason, you know, there are always going to be those individuals that um, are, are are curious uh, and entertained by mm. the phenomenon and the culture around it, yet they are posers. They are wearing the t-shirt <laughs> of the band that they've never heard before. Yep. And that is going to be the case. And here we are, just nerds <laughs> sitting in a room. Can I also bring something up? Most recently, we've been... Getting some negative reviews about Night Drift on occasion. And it is most definitely people that take offense to us talking about socio-political, I don't know, ponderings on this program. And saying, leave the politics out of this program. It's not about politics. This is not a political show. But what we are doing is including a full spectrum of humanity. And what our relationship mm-hmm. is to different power structures, to our history, to the context of what the unknown means to us. So please, if you don't like what we're saying, that's fine. I love and appreciate you because I don't care. And this isn't for you. If you're not open to just being open-minded and open-hearted about what this process is, We're not trying to push anything on you, you know, but There are certain elements that are out there that maybe a few of us really believe in and we're not going to sacrifice what we need to say in order to please just a few people that, you know, don't care about listening to others, you know, and be a part of it and be a part of it together. So thank you for reviewing (laughs) and rating the program. But when it comes to this program in particular, if you don't like it, just, you know, I'm sorry see you in
2: court see you in court <laughs> <laughs> she's
1: where she's she's where she's wearing a seeing you in court t-shirt yeah so anyway
2: i just sorry I, to, sorry I to bring the program down
1: there real quick but you I didn't, just didn't bring it to down out on
2: that. but i just love that these are the same folks that are like i'm open to aliens and ghosts and the paranormal and all these things that are different but they are not welcoming to their fellow human being it's unreal these are the people that want to hunt bigfoot and not just be friends with bigfoot <laughs> it's l- maddening.
1: Listen, listen, I've met Makes some real no quality people that want to hunt Bigfoot too. Right? I know you're just joking sure. around, Darcy. Like, <laughs> there, there, there are a lot of people that approach um, this material from a lot of different um, yes. respective ways. And yes, I appreciate absolutely. people like entering into the party right now and going like, "Hey, I got here because I was obsessed with you know the Pentagon report of like UAPs." Right another pages of
2: craziness yeah and now we're talking
1: yeah exactly and now we're talking now they're in this room with us right now or listening to this as a podcast and they're going like what are we I gotta really learn more about magic
0: what's <laughs> mm-hmm. going on here
1: like in and, and it, man maybe I should like oh maybe I should change my behavior in a cemetery or like how I'm thinking about it I don't know have dates at the cemetery and blare AFI
2: I'm gonna say about the dates and blaring AFI you can there yeah you can absolutely do it and here's why no i don't
1: know i don't know about
2: this 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 is where we take risks this is this is some history jim this is some history (laughs) so the victorians as cemeteries and graveyards start you know growing in popularity would go and picnic in the cemetery quite often like that was a very known thing and then when Mm -hmm. the memorial park started rising in popularity difference mm-hmm. between upright monuments versus flat monuments. Part of the Memorial parks, the I- idealism behind the Memorial park was kind of to erase the stigma of death. So it could be a wow. place where you would come and share time with family and loved ones. Oh, like, that makes sense. So it's maybe just turn down the AFI, but you don't have yeah. a not picnic yeah. with the right. AFI.
1: Right.
3: Also love- maybe just bring them like a snack too. Right. Like,
2: right.
1: Yeah. There you go.
3: Yeah, the food
2: offering.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it.
2: Grave goods, well, baby.
1: Listen, grave um,
2: goods.
1: We we dug around a lot of territory here. Is what we did <laughs> in this conversation, and I appreciate I appreciate you two so much. Thank you so much for coming on the program, uh, as always. And Katie, we gotta have you back uh, more yeah. frequently. It's just so fun. To, it's always so fun to talk with you, and you have great stories and so much great experience. So thank you so much. And for the Patreons in the room, thank you so much for joining us once again for one of these weird little night drift recordings uh, happening live on this Patreon feed. Um, If, you know, there's someone listening to this that would like to join us for one of these in the future, they happen every once in a while. They're not, uh, you know, weekly or whatever, but we do try to do them every once in a while and we get together and connect in this way. It's a really cool scene. You can go to patreon.com/ufament for that. Um, Darcy, where can people find you know what you do, your material, and in particular, man, people really need to see your TEDx talk.
2: Oh, thank you so Congratulations much! Congratulations on that. It's so <laughs> thank good. Thank you so much. And
1: everyone needs to watch it.
2: Uh, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Darcy Staniforth. So D-A-R-C-Y-S-T-A-N-I-F-O-R-T-H. And if you want to find the TEDx talk, uh, look up Darcy Staniforth Anderson, and the title of it is death, grief, and a college student. So cool. So thank you, Jim, for posting that and for that compliment.
1: Yeah. Congratulations, buddy.
2: Thank you. Katie, where can people
1: find where can they find you? Where can they find your work? I mean, you do these awesome divination cards now and you offer some <laughs> classes and stuff, right? Like where can people find all of
3: this? I'm all over the place. Um, I'm on, I've got a link tree, which is probably the easiest. It's gorgonized. Um, Twitter, Gorgon Katie, Gorgon underscore Katie. TikTok. Find me on TikTok. I love TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah deep and you're good in it, my womb, lands. Deep yeah. deep in my womb lands. Yeah. i love TikTok. <laughs> yeah. um i don't do that much on there though i'm more of a creeper uh <laughs> really on the old uh twitter twitter's the spot we yeah. can chat we can make jokes twitter's the one
1: i love it well yeah. thank you so much for doing. <laughs> very much appreciate it and thank you for listening to night drift with jim perry on Alternative Talk KKNW 1150 AM in Seattle and of course you can hear the show anytime on its podcast feed wherever you listen to them go to euphomet.com for more and join us next Sunday and until then keep looking
0: follow the show on social media at Ufomet, euphomet e u p h o m e t